Welcome to Women Living Courageously, a virtual women's ministry working in tandem with the ministries of Love Worth Finding. We are ordinary women pursuing an extraordinary God, and we're here to encourage you to laugh without fear of the future. I'm your host, Melanie Redd, and we are so glad that you have joined us today. And today, it is my joy to have my precious friend, Betsy Pendergrass, on the podcast with us, and I want to briefly introduce her. Betsy and her husband, Taylor, have four children, and they describe themselves as gatherers. Their favorite place to gather is around the table, and they've seen the sweetest relationships cultivated there. She's a writer, a teacher, a speaker, and mostly she's my friend. She's one of the most friendly, joy-filled, encouraging women that I know, and I wanted you to have the chance to meet her today. So welcome, Betsy. We are so glad you're here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. We're going to have a great conversation. And as we start, I usually save these questions for the end, but I decided to put them at the beginning. Our motto (laughs) is this. We are ordinary women who serve an extraordinary God. And so I want to ask you, how are you an ordinary woman? How are you just one of the girls? It's a good question, right? I love this question (laughs) because everything about me is ordinary. (laughs) If there's any extraordinary thing, it is the Lord. (laughs) That's good. That's the way most of us are. (laughs) Yes. So I think that, um, you know, I put my shoes on the same as everybody else, and it's just who I am. Yes, absolutely. Me too, girl. It's good to be, it's good to be just one of the girls, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Well, let me ask you this. How has God been extraordinary to you? Oh, now there you go. I I will start crying right off the start of the podcast. He's just extraordinary every single day of my life. I mean, even this week in the midst of some crisis, I was driving home and was just praying and he goes, hey, do you trust me? And I was like, yes, sir. (laughs) And he worked in that circumstance far and above anything I could have asked or imagined. And it was just, you know, extra. it was extraordinary just day before yesterday, driving down the road. That's sweet. And isn't it fun when God just shows up in regular life and we get yes. to see him work on our behalf just in a regular old day of the week? And so that's a great testimony. And he is extraordinary. Well, you know, I was thinking about you and I share a whole lot about the subject of hope and hope in the Lord and hope in relationships. And today we're going to tap into this topic. We're going to talk about how to have hope when you feel lonely or how to overcome loneliness. And I thought I'd add this before we start. Uh, Neither one of us are professional counselors, (laughs) and so I want to go ahead and get that out there. And for some of you listening as we talk today, you may decide it would be helpful for you to actually talk to a trained Christian counselor or to a medical doctor, and I am a big fan of great physicians and great counselors and the great physician. (laughs) And so, but with that in mind, Betsy and I both have been in ministry a long time, and we've ministered to and encouraged and counseled a lot of people, especially women. And so our prayer and what we're coming from today is wisdom from time in God's word, time in ministry, and time spent talking with and encouraging others. And so I was looking up the word loneliness in the dictionary. And so I had to read this because it just seems to start it out well. Loneliness is sadness because one has no friends or company, or loneliness is the quality of being isolated. And it seems like we're in the middle of unprecedented seasons of loneliness. And so I want to start with this. Why do you think 
we're so lonely right now. Why do you think we're seeing so much isolation in recent days? Honestly, I think that there are several answers to that question, but I, uh, my first thought is, unfortunately, I think we've given way to a lot of fear. And I think that our fear has caused us to separate from people. I think that part of that is a byproduct of having walked through a pandemic. And there was an abundance of fear at that time, rightly so. Like, I get it. Um, But I don't think we've recovered from that well. I think that um, even in the church with the big C (laughs) overall, I think that we're going to have to aggressively push against this tactic of the enemy to isolate. You know, in the wild, animal, the animal that gets picked on or picked out is the one who is away from the crowd and alone um, and more vulnerable uh, from the herd. And so I think that the application is very real for us too. The enemy loves to convince us that we are um, singular, like we are alone in the place that we're at. And y'all, that's just a lie from the pit because we are never alone as Christians. Part of our inheritance is that we have the Holy Spirit with us, that Jesus has gone before us and that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. And so when we're dealing with loneliness, I think a good first step is to evaluate the fact that we really are not alone. That gives us a confidence, but we have to be brave to start reconnecting. Like in our loneliness, it's very real. Um, It's tangible. But we have got to begin to step and trust the Lord that he will help us to be brave to get through this hard place and this um, and it requires vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think we have it's like uh, COVID year three, COVID year four. We just are kind of continuing the pandemic. I've seen it. It's like people got out of the habit of going and doing and getting around other people. And it does seem like we've stayed out of the habit. Yes. And so I, I hear you on that. And we're going to talk about what to do. But I want to share something fun with you before we keep going. And I want to tell you, our friends at Love We're Finding make this podcast possible. And Love We're Finding is supported by generous gifts from people who are blessed by our ministry. And this month, I'm super excited about this. We're offering the Names of God Christmas ornaments for a gift of any amount. And these ornaments make it a great way to focus on Jesus during the Christmas season. So I'll put the link in the show notes for you to check out. Y'all go check out these Christmas ornaments. Now, back to the conversation. We're going to lay one more kind of negative, and then we're going to get into the positive. I have studied and read how loneliness can be bad for your health. So even if you don't want to get back in the crowds, (laughs) let me tell you a few things that research shows. Loneliness can increase your heart disease, your stroke risk, raise your blood pressure, lead to depression, cause cognitive decline, and we don't want any of that. (laughs) And it even can lead to an early death. And so let's just talk about, give me to start with some practical things we can do to combat loneliness. Well, I'm going to share personally from my own experience of times when I have felt lonely. I think the very first step that I had to realize is that we're in a spiritual battle, that This is a tactic of the enemy, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So I put my armor on, and when I'm feeling lonely, I stop 
and recognize how the Lord has worked in my life before now. I recount things I'm thankful for, and I suit up in my armor. I say it out loud. I have the helmet of salvation on my head. I have on the breastplate of righteousness, and I just go through them. And I I guess it's kind of like David did, strengthening himself in the Lord. That's my first step when I'm battling with loneliness. And then I try to step toward somebody else. Like instead of being a victim and sitting and thinking, well, nobody's reaching out to me. I'm all alone. I go, okay, I'm equipped. I'm going to call such and so, and I'm going to have a really good conversation today. Or I'm going to invite a younger lady to meet me for a cup of coffee today. Or I'm going to extend my table tonight by one more person and invite somebody to come eat because I'm going to push against something I know is the enemy trying to work in my life. That's such a good way to look at it. You look up and you get armored up with the power of the Lord <laughs> and then yeah. you reach out. I love that. And you you don't let yourself just sit there and be lonely. That's wonderful. And you actually text or call somebody or reach out to somebody. Uh, Adrian Rogers, our pastor that's over the was over the Love We're Finding ministry, used to say, you give to other people what you need. And I think that's what you're doing. I think you're giving to other people what you need. So that's a, that's a good word. Well, let me ask you this. How about your relationship with the Lord? How has your relationship with the Lord impacted your loneliness or lack of loneliness? Well, a lot of times in my life, and people can apply this if it feels true to them or not, but when I begin to feel lonely, I'm actually longing for something that the Lord can give me. And so it's a need that I'm having in myself, and He's my number one need meter, For years, I pursued people to try to meet those needs that I had, and it wasn't fair to them, and it wasn't fair to me, and it put people in a position they were never created to be in, and so I tried to come to him first, evaluate what is it I really am needing, because sometimes it just takes me a moment to sit and be still to, to recognize the actual need. And then I pursue him first for that need. That's good. It's as if we have a a place in our heart that only he can fill. And so you're saying one of the ways that you've fought against the loneliness is to let him fill the void. That's such a good word. Um, Let me ask you this, because sometimes, well, it's not us that's dealing with the loneliness. It's our children or it's our grandchildren or somebody that we're impacting, someone we're mentoring or discipling. How have you helped your kids? I know you've got four kids to fight against loneliness. What have you taught them? What have you seen that's been helpful in instructing our children? Well, I've got to tell you, we have dealt with this many times over the years. And our first thought is like, oh, we got to get them with people. Like we got to that's a knee-jerk reaction. (laughs) We don't want to just get them with anybody because there will be people that we could get them with that will not be helpful in this process. And so I, I try to live my own walk in front of my kids out loud. And so when they're dealing with something, I try to do that with them out loud too. And I go to them and we talk about, okay, let's let's talk about now. Who are you in Christ? Like, what do you know to be true about yourself with him? And we process our identity in Christ because a lot of times loneliness comes from a lack of understanding who we are in him. And by the way, your book was a huge help with one of our kids when 
she was walking through things. The journal in particular was um, was amazing, but it was a good way for us to begin to have conversations. She would come in and she goes, oh, mom, listen to this. And then we were able to, to have conversations about that. But the other thing that Taylor and I both try to do very intentionally is we try to get our kids into a safe place to learn about the Lord. So like, y'all, I hope I don't step on anybody's toes, but like just going to any church is checking a box, but taking your kids to a place where they're going to get fed really good spiritual nourishment is huge for them and that you will find that they want to be there. And it's in those places where they'll develop community that hopefully is even healthier than what they would have found otherwise. So, I mean, there was a season where we drove two hours to church and it we look back and go, every moment was worth it. That's good. You know, I, I'm hearing you say you got to encourage them. You got to remind them who they are in Christ, get them some great books. <laughs> and I'll, I'll link yes. the journal she's talking about. She's talking about, I think, the Live in Light journal. And um, and I think the church thing is huge. I, I know, Betsy, we had a season where my kids were young adults, and they we were not serving at a church. And so we went to the loudest church in town, but it was also where my kids love going. And so we just got used to the music. And it was not necessarily where we ha- would have chosen, but they got so excited about the worship that that's why we went. And so that's a yes. good word. Don't go to church for where you want to go. Go, and especially if your kids are not going or not interested, maybe if you would just go with them and choose a church that they would like. That's a that's such a good word. I love that. And it may just be for a season. Ours was just for a year, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's not forever. Well, I was reading about loneliness in men and women, and I, I think men are lonely too, but I think men can compartmentalize better than us. So the studies usually say women experience more loneliness than men. So let's talk just to the women, because that's primarily who's listening. We are called women living courageously. So if you're a nice <laughs> man out there listening, that's great. <laughs> and so maybe I'll get, we'll give you something to encourage your wife with. But tell <laughs> us, when you talk to women, how do you encourage them with loneliness and overcoming feeling isolated? Well, I think it all depends on our age, like where we are in life as women. If I'm talking to young moms, I'm going to go, sister, it, this is a season. Like, first step in, in dealing with this is knowing you're not alone. The Lord's with you. Open your Bible up. Sit it on the counter. Come by and get a verse and snack on it and let it just meditate on it all day long of His goodness. And in a nap time, reach out to a friend. Have a conversation or FaceTime. That's going to look very different than my you know, elderly woman who is spends a lot of time by herself, but Mike could encourage that younger mom next door with the littles. So it's like they, you can fill your time with with stuff. <laughs> you you can be around people, but you want to know what is it particularly that fills your cup up? How what encourages you for me? Small talk, you might as well shoot me because I cannot stand it. But you sit me at a table with a group of women from different ages who want to talk about the Bible and go deeper in the Lord. And I, it, 10 minutes with those women will fill me far more than three hours with a room full of chatterers. That's good. Yeah. So it's kind of like evaluating, you know, if you're an introvert, but you're lonely, Set yourself some healthy boundaries with somebody and say, hey, I've got an hour on Wednesday. Could you meet for coffee? And that way you have a beginning and an ending. 
you're going to feel a little bit of that loneliness place, but you're not going to overwhelm yourself because you don't have an end time and that freaks a lot of introverts out. That's a good word. So assess where you are and figure out a way to uh, fill that cup and, and define some friendships and relationships. I know when our kids were little, I, we'd go to the park a lot or we'd be at a playground. I don't know if you can still do that, <laughs> but we did yes, indoor playgrounds and out, you know, but it, but there's still something about being in a Bible study, you know, being around other people, going for a walk with a friend that are good. Yeah. And so I'm hearing you say, go ahead and find something, some way, maybe even just once a week, at least where you fill your cup. All right. What about this? What about in marriages and relationships? What can we do to experience greater community intimacy and sweetness in our relationships. I know you teach a lot about marriage. And so what can you do if you're feeling lonely in your marriage? Let's say someone's listening and they they said, Betsy, what can I do to not feel lonely in my marriage? What what might you share with them? I think that quality time with your spouse is imperative. And we as women tend to feel that quality time talking about our kids with our husbands. And I'm not saying that's bad to have conversations about your kids, but my heart is that we would begin to develop relationship apart from our kids with our spouses. Our husbands like really need to know we're interested in them. We need to know, they need to know that we want to hear from them, that um, we're willing to spend time with just them and prioritize that time. And sometimes it only just takes communicating that with them, but just saying, not from a place of, condemnation or being critical, but you can even pray, hey, God, help him to hear me when I say this. So he won't, you know, I don't want him to feel like I'm criticizing him, but let him know, hey, I'm lonely and I miss you. To tell somebody that you miss them is going to come across a lot different than you don't ever take me out to on a date anymore. I mean, really, they're not going to want to say like that. But Taylor and I, for so many years, have poured into young couples. And finally, we realized after years of doing a small group with young uh, couples with little kids that they were spending any time date nights talking about kids on date nights. And so we sat down together and wrote a series of cards. It's a set of 10. And it's questions that you can ask each other on a date. And it we have gotten, I'm, I'm not joking, I don't have a single product. I've gotten as much good feedback from men about. But I guess it's because Taylor helped me write them. I, that's the only thing I can figure. But there have been husbands who've said to their wives, hey, let's get those cards back out. And it talks about things like dreaming together. It talks about um, your work. Like a lot of times I run into women who can't even tell me what their husbands really do for work. And you're like to say to your husband, hey, tell me, like, what do you do? And like you listen and ingest it. That speaks volumes. So I say, if you're feeling lonely in your marriage, begin to step toward him, begin to, sometimes our love languages, we try to give the, the our spouse with the love language that we want them to get back to us, but we really need to be stepping toward them with the things that encourage them so that they can then also step back to us with what encourages us. Okay, and so to make this really fun, I love that, Betsy has agreed to give away a set of these cards. And the way we're going to do it is if you will leave a review today of the podcast, of our conversation, and screenshot it or send it to me on social media, I'm going to draw, and the name I draw is going to get a set of these cards. And she's also going to give us a discount code, and I'm going to put all this information in the show notes so you could 
number one, win some of these cards. So you could have a conversation and you could have used the cards with anybody, but they especially work with your spouse. Um, and then she's going to give a discount if you'd like to have those or get those as a gift for even a young couple getting married or somebody that you care about. So I'm excited about that, Betsy. And we'll put all that information in the show notes. So thank you for offering that. All right. Well, let's talk about the word gather. This is your word, gather. So what makes this such a powerful word for you? What do you love about the word gather? Everything. Uh, absolutely everything. I, I come from gatherers. My husband comes from gatherers. And um, my mom was a single mom who raised three girls on her own. And she had a unique ability, still does, to welcome people in her house in a very casual way. So I grew up for, uh, with a mom who would just, hey, come on in. We're watching a movie. We're making dinner. Help yourself. Get it. To, <laughs> grab good. yourself a plate. She never stopped what she was doing to people never felt um, like they were not wanted. They felt very welcome, but they didn't feel like they were getting in the way. And so mom just was so generous with her table, with her, with our um, holidays. She would, you know, we had pilots, international pilots in our little Southern town. And and there were always additional guests at every holiday. Taylor's mother was the same way, is still the same way. And so that's how we grew up. So when we married, that was just normal. (laughs) And we had a lot of college students in the town that we were in at the time. And a lot of kids were crazy to have a a home-cooked meal and to use our laundry room because (laughs) they had to pay to do their laundry. And we realized, hey, this is making an impact. Um, We still have some relationships with some women who would come and sit at our table and will say now, I never, ever sat at a table and ate a meal with a family until I came to your house. We had one young man who sat at the table with us, and it was his fourth year in college. He's about to graduate. And he said, this is the first home-cooked meal I've had since I came to Tennessee. And I, I can still get emotional about that one, but I'm like, it takes so little effort to invite a person to gather with you. You don't even have to cook them a meal. People just want to be seen and heard and known. And so you pull up a chair for them and they are touched. You give them a water and so a cookie out of a package and they're like, Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> well, let me ask you this along that topic. How do, if people say, well, we hadn't gathered, we hadn't had anybody in our home, we've gotten out of the habit, what, whatever the case may be, how can they just practically begin to open the doors again? What, what do you suggest? If someone says, I'm willing, but I'm out of the habit or I haven't done it in a while, how can they get back to it? I start small. I, I, t- I say this over and over and over. Literally make some coffee. And, and buy some cookies or a piece of pie. Sit out on your front porch or on the back porch and just invite them over for an hour. Like if you have co- college students are easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're an easy place to start because you can just say, hey, would you like to come over and let them bring, let one college student invite one friend. Two college students, simple. So it's not the pressure of a one-on-one conversation. You got an extra person in the mix. Just have them for an hour or um, invite somebody into something you're already doing so that it's not like um, you're having to start from scratch. You already have a plan of something. Just 
include them in the thing that you're already doing. And it takes a lot of that pressure off of, oh, I got to plan this. I've got to do it just right. They don't care. Yeah. And that's a good word, Betsy, especially when when people are going to be listening to this for the first time. It's going to be right around the holidays, right before Thanksgiving, right before Christmas. And so maybe you can think of someone that is by themselves, you know, uh, someone who's single or single again or someone who's just lost family members or a spouse. It'd be great to invite them into one of your holiday meals or activities or take them with you to the Christmas program or something. Um, is what I'm hearing you say. It doesn't have to be anything major. Well, and one thing that I do find is an easy way to start is like a little activity. So like if it's Christmas, maybe decorate Christmas cookies. It's like get some of those slice and bakes and have all the fixings and let people make them or make the cookies together. But like having a little activity to do helps you begin dialogue. And it doesn't have to be a big one. It could just be simple. I'm encouraged by what you're saying because I think we've just gotten out of the habit. I think it was something people used to do. And with all the crazy of the last few years, we've gotten away from it. And so it's a great idea just to have something we're thinking about, um, you know, doing more things where we're sitting out front so we can meet our neighbors and being out talking to people. And we've noticed people are wanting to talk more than they ever have been. And so I do think there's opportunity. And it's just a matter of kind of being willing, don't you think, at this point? I absolutely do. And y'all have got to be honest. I think that a lot of people, we know all know people who have over the last few years said, you know what, I'm done with this. Like, I don't even believe anymore. But it's because they never knew Jesus. And so we have a unique opportunity in this time and space as believers to meet those people on our street who may have been some of those people who said, I'm done with this. And begin to allow them to see Jesus in our lives. And it just might start in a simple conversation at, on your porch. That's good. And I, and I think if, if you're feeling lonely and you're listening, it's okay for you to start it. Are you and your husband, are you and your family to start it? And just to be the ones to initiate, even if you feel awkward or a little weird the first time. I love the idea of just having somebody over for dessert and coffee, you know, or having making a fire pit and having some come over for s'mores. That's not real hard and it won't last really long. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's a start. Great. That's a good word. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have a favorite scripture verse about the topic of gathering? I went back and forth about this one. Um, I think I wrote one down, but I'm not going with it. I think the I think my favorite story about gathering is when Jesus showed up after he had resurrected again and he met the disciples on the beach and he called them back in. They had a whole nother load of fish and they came in and he had made breakfast for them on the beach. I think that's my favorite because it's like fish and bread or something like that. <laughs> and that breakfast changed Peter's life. And we just, don't, we make it far too hard. It does not have to be difficult. Yeah, I love the simplicity of what you're sharing is that we can share hope and encouragement to people who don't know the Lord or are away with just food and conversation yes. and encouragement. That's such a good word. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have any resources to share about overcoming loneliness or gathering together? I do have one that I feel like would be really helpful to somebody who's trying to push against loneliness, and it's a free email series about mentoring. Um, it's if you want to be mentored or if you would like to be a mentor, it kind of gives some basic 
foundational um, information about that. And I think one way to push against loneliness is to pour into somebody else. And so, or to ask someone to come alongside you. Um, There's always somebody older and there's always somebody younger. And so that free resource is something that I think of. But I also have a set of cards called uh, Powerful Prayers of Peace that have a scripture on one side and then a prayer to pray on the other that I think would be really helpful to somebody um, if they're dealing with this subject. Excellent. Well, what we'll do is I'll link all that in the show notes so that people can come over and look and see what they'd like to to look into and what they think might be encouragement to them. And we also have a podcast we just did, I'll link in the show notes about mentoring that may encourage you as well on this topic. So that's great. And I want to remind you, we're kind of finishing up, but don't forget to leave a review and screenshot it and get it to me and you can get uh, maybe win those free uh, conversation cards. I've got a set and they're wonderful. I've done a bunch of them. Randy and I have sat. We sat outside one night over our fire pit and asked each other the questions. We had such fun and such a good conversation. And so she's also discounting those. And so I'll leave the code in the show notes. But thank you, Betsy, for joining us today. It has been so good to have you here with us. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to get to be with you, Melanie. Thank you. And I'll tell you what a blessing it's been. I believe there's so many people that are going to be encouraged. I, I think we've We've talked about really practical things today, and I just want to say this. I don't think that you have to stay lonely. I know we've isolated and we've been pushed apart and kept apart, but it's time to get back together. And so if you're listening to this, I want to encourage you to go against the grain and go against what you've been doing. I mean, it's almost like when you went back to church the first time after watching online in your pajamas. This is going to feel different and be a little uncomfortable, uh, but I think it's time to get back in community. So this has been super good today. Thank you. We appreciate you and your words and your wisdom and your encouragement. But this has been a blessing, girl. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And listen, don't forget, we are ordinary women pursuing an extraordinary God, and He created us for community and for gathering. 